You know, there, there's a verse that I really like from Ephesians. It, it says, uh, therefore, do not be foolish. This is Ephesians 5. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you want to understand what the will of the Lord is? Does anyone know what the will of the Lord is? That's a, that's a big question, right? Okay, listen to this. It says, and this is the verse right after. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissoluteness, but be filled in spirit. So if we want to understand what the will of the Lord is, right? Like when we come to the Word or we come to uh, some speaking of the Lord's Word, aren't we here to understand what the, Lord, what the will of the Lord is? But the requirement is that we need to be filled in spirit. So how do we do that? Well, the next verse, isn't that awesome? The Bible tells us all the answers that we need to know. It says, this is verse 19, is right after, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and psalming with your heart to the Lord. So that's how we're, that's how we're filled in spirit. So we sang some spiritual songs, right? We, we spoke some hymns to one another, right? All we're missing is we need to speak some psalms to one another. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to speak the psalms to one another, right? Yeah, so that we can be filled in spirit and so we can understand what the will of the Lord is. So one way to we're going to do this is we're going to read Psalm 24. It's only 10 verses. Maybe you read it already. But what I want is, uh, I wonder if we can go one by one and take turns reading this verse. So, uh, Graham, you're going to be our first one since you just happen to be here. And we're going to go this way. And you're going to read one verse, or you're going to read verse 1. And when he finishes reading verse 1, you know what the rest of us are going to do? We're going to say, Amen. Because Amen is how we agree with God's Word. We're not agreeing with Graham. Graham has nothing to offer. But we, but we do agree with God's Word, right? So, all right, you ready, Graham? You want to read uh, verse 1 to us? Okay. All right, John. Amen. 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 Sam. Amen. Amen. Oh, say la. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, Vanessa. Amen. Amen. All right. 
Amen. Selah. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what Selah means. I think it just is a, some kind of rhythmic pause in poetry. But, well, that's it. That was the message. Sometimes the word, when we mingle it with, our, with the exercise of our spirit, when we read the word in this kind of way, the Lord can speak more than, more than me more than any human mouthpiece, more than any of the guest speakers we have. That's a good way of reading the Bible. Have has anyone ever read the Bible that way? Oh, try it out. When you go home, read Psalm 24 again and read it that way, but read it out loud. The earth is Jehovah's and his fullness. Amen. Who are you amening? You're amening, you're amening God's word, right? So that's another way of reading the word. And so, okay, so we read Psalm 24. It's a really awesome uh, psalm. And according to Ephesians 5, we spoke that psalm to one another. We're filled in spirit. Even if you don't feel like you're filled in spirit, you are filled in spirit. Therefore, we're qualified to understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the way we study the word. It's by being filled Okay, so when we come to Psalm 24, we, you know, the title of this is The Coming King. And as John alluded, this is going to be the, the subject of Psalm 24. It's The Coming King. And if you recall, I've mentioned before several times that Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24 all go together. They were all written by David. And they all prophesy concerning Christ's work. And in Psalm 22, we saw that Christ is our Redeemer. Awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. And then we also saw that at the tail end of Psalm 22, He's our we can say our regenerator in the sense that he's producing children of God, producing many brothers. He's our regenerator, the one who regenerated us, right? In Psalm 22, he calls us his brothers. And then in Psalm 23, oh, I really love that chapter. Wasn't that good? He's the shepherd. But in Psalm 24, we have another aspect of Christ. He's the coming king. And why do you think we added the coming? Why isn't it sufficient that he's the king? He's coming again. So that's the emphasis of Psalm 24. It's not his first coming, but it's his second coming. So what we see in Psalm 22, 23, and 24 is we see his death, we see his resurrection, and we see his coming back. So that's what we're going to get into. Psalm 24, the king who is coming back. And this is, an, this is actually a crucial item of our Christian faith. That's something we believe. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe that he resurrected from the dead, literally. He rose from the dead. He was ascended. 
He ascended into the, into the heavens and He's now sitting at the right hand of God. That's part of our faith. And part of our faith is that He's also coming back to receive His believers. Amen. When that comes back, or when He comes back, or how He comes back, we're not entirely sure. But we know He's coming back. Amen. And that encourages us. And, and it gives us so much hope. So, I think the best way to get into this, because it's really hard and I don't have a lot of time, is if we can, if we can get, uh, if we can go to Ephesians 5. And I know it seems kind of random. Why are we going to Ephesians 5? Well, I'll explain that in a little bit. So if you have a Bible, you might want to have that out. Uh, and, of course, you know, you can find this outline on our website, right? Christiansatemu.com, right? So if you, if you need, if you want that on your phone, just go to our website. It's on there. And maybe you want to open another tab or another app with the Bible on it. And just have Ephesians 5 ready. Because this is really going to tie these three psalms together. So, oh man, this is so good. Okay. I really love the book of Ephesians. And I especially like Ephesians 5. You know, Ephesians 5 is, is often read at weddings. Right? It's, if, if particularly Christian weddings. You know, it's a chapter on, well, apparently it's a chapter on, on marriage, on the relationship be, be, uh, between husbands and wives. But we're going to see that this chapter is actually about Christ and the church. That's not interpretation. That's what the Word says. Verse 29, it says, But I speak with regard to Christ and the church. Okay, so what does this have to do with Psalm 22, 23, and 24? So, I'm going to read Ephesians 5.25, because that's our focus verse, 25, 26, and 27. And we're going to see something really awesome. I mean, the Word of God is just it's mind-blowing sometimes. So it says, this is verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You guys agree with that? Amen, Amen right? Okay. Then we'll go to verse 26. That he might sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing of the water in the word. Amen? Amen? All right. And then verse 27, that he might present the church to himself glorious, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So I read these verses because, first of all, what we see in Psalm 24, as, it, as the second point says, Christ is, the, is coming as the king, we see that he comes in his glory. That's Matthew twenty-five thirty-one, right? But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, at that time He will sit on the throne of His glory. 
So we have to be clear. The king who's coming back is Jesus. So we come to Ephesians 5. When we start in verse 25, I want you to pay attention. This is, this is especially true if you have a more literal translation. That Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What tense is that? What verb tense is that? Past, present, or future? That's past. He loved the church. He, don't get me wrong, he still loves the church. But, but according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he loved the church and gave himself up for her. Past tense. And then verse 26, that he might sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing of the water and the word. So we have these two words, cleansing and washing. Present tense. Yeah, that's right. So we, we see something here. We see something that the Lord has done. He gave himself up for her. He loved her. We also see what he's doing. He's cleansing her sanctifying her, washing her. That's what he's doing today. He's not still giving himself up. He already did that. He said it is finished. There's no need for that anymore. But there is the need for cleansing, and there is the need for washing. And we're going to see what that is a little later. But the verse that is really awesome is the next one. That he might present to himself or that he might present the church to himself glorious. That's future. That he might do it one day. That he, he will do it. He definitely will. That's the future. So in these three verses we see Christ who has redeemed us, Christ who is sanctifying and washing us, and we see Christ who will receive the church as the bridegroom. So when we talk about the Lord's second coming, he's the king, but he's also the bridegroom. And this is going to matter later when we get to the third point. So, actually I'll go back up to the first verse. The earth is Jehovah's in its fullness. The habitable land and those who dwell in it. That's how Psalm 24 starts. And Psalm 24 ends with the king of glory. So with regard to his kingship, with his purpose as it relates to him being the king, God's purpose is to recover the earth. You know, today... Though the earth rightfully belongs to God, it is His. It is under the influence, under the dominion of Satan. As mankind is, the earth is, it's under His influence. Despite the rightful owner being God. So what did He do? In Genesis 1.26 through 1.28, we see that God created man 
in his image, according to his likeness, that he may have dominion over the earth. And God today, he needs that group of people. That's what, he, that's what he originally designed with Adam, but Adam failed, right? Instead of subduing the earth, he was subdued. And therefore, all of humanity is subdued. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect human life, died resurrected. And that was not to recover the earth, but that was to recover us, to recover man. So with regard to his kingship in his second coming, in his second coming he won't come to recover the to recover man. It's too late by then. If you didn't believe by then, it's too late. But he'll be there to recover the earth and to subdue it and to rule it with his believers. Okay, that's related to his kingship. But what about with relation, in relation to him being the bridegroom? I'm, I'm really glad we sang that second song. I love my Lord. I love my Lord, but with no love of mine. I forgot who wrote it, but I know it was, I know it was a, a sister in the Lord from, I don't know, 500 years ago or something. That's why it kind of has this old kind of uh, words to it. But whoever that was, she loved the Lord. Didn't you get that feeling when you sang that? I was like, man, what are you talking about? Being lost in the Lord? You know what that means? That means you don't know where you're going and you don't care. That's how much she loved the Lord. Okay. So what does that have to do with him being the bridegroom? It has to do with this point, point number three. This is the main point. So if everything else seems confusing, if everything else seems like, I'm not going to remember this, that's fine. But don't forget this. This is the point of Psalm 24. Letting the Lord come in so he can come back. Psalm 24 says, this is verse, uh, come in, where is that? Oh, verse 9, right? The king of glory will come in. It doesn't say we'll come back. Because for him to come back, he needs to come in. And the principle of that is established in Second Peter 3. It says, since all these things are to be thus dissolved. And if I remember right, the things there refers to the things of this earth. Everything, <laughs> the earth and the fullness thereof are to be dissolved. Everything. This beautiful campus, dissolved. Gold, right? Supposedly gold can't be dissolved dissolved my accomplishments dissolved then it continues what kind of persons ought you to be in the holy manner of life and godliness this is the point expecting and 
hastening the coming of the day of God. What does hastening mean? Speeding it up. I think that's a fair definition, right? Speeding it up. Did you ever have this concept that we could hasten the Lord's coming? Isn't that cool? On one hand, we are expecting, right? We're waiting. And whether he comes back in our lifetime or not, we endure to the end because we will see him in glory one day. But while we're alive, we shouldn't just expect him. We can hasten him. We can hasten his coming. Amen. <sighs> okay. Okay, let's, look, let's go to the next verse. So Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. If you recall in Psalm 24, there were the gates and there were the doors. And those gates and those doors need to be opened. What's interesting about this word here in Revelation 3 is that it was written to a church. It was written to believers in Laodicea, which is at, in the coast of modern-day Turkey. It was written to a church located there. Yet, he was standing outside of the church. He was knocking. That means he, wasn't, he was not knocking from inside. He was knocking from outside. And he's waiting for someone to let him in. And he who does let him in, it says, I will come in to him. And then it says, He who overcomes, to him I will give to sit with me on my throne. There we go. We see our king again. As I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. Overcome what? Oh, that's so many things, right? That's overcome sin, sure. Overcome the world. Overcome, in this particular case of Revelation 3, in the particular case of the church in Laodicea, Overcome degradation, overcome pride, overcome lukewarmness. And the way we overcome is by letting him in. It's by opening the door. If he can't come in, how can he come back? Makes total sense to me. Okay, so how do we come in? Or how does he come in? How do we open? What does that mean to open? Well, I think the past several weeks, we've you know, mentioned a few different things, right? There was, oh, remember Psalm 2, kissing the sun? 
that's a good way to let someone in, right? Um, several weeks ago, we talked about enjoying the Lord's name. We talked about what uh, reading the Word with prayer, right? That was last week. I think that was good. Those are all really awesome ways. But there's a couple of verses that make it really practical for us. And first, I want to, I'm actually going to jump to Luke 12:36, And the Lord uses this picture of knocking again. This is really awesome. He says, And you be like men waiting for their own master when he returns from the wedding feast so that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him. Here's the key word, immediately. Immediately, that's the key word. So the first thing about opening is not delaying. It makes sense. If we delay, he delays. And he doesn't want to delay. At the end of John, he says, I come quickly. In his heart, there's no delay. The delay is in us. The delay is in me. But he's knocking. He's always there, knocking. But the key is to open immediately. So that means don't wait until Sunday, okay? Don't wait until uh, exam season is over. Don't wait until I feel better, whatever that means, right? Don't wait until... I don't know, I come to solid ground. I don't know, until I go to my next Bible study. No, open immediately. Amen. The simple way is, Lord Jesus, I love you. Sometimes I physically turn. I don't know what I'm turning to, but it helps me turn my heart. <laughs> yeah. Lord, I forgot about you. Sorry, Lord, I love you. And you just keep going. When the Lord... Is knocking, right? When he's, I don't know, maybe, Graham, he knocked on you recently. He said, get baptized. What happened? Did you, did, did you wait? I got baptized. You got baptized. <laughs> it's, what is it, cause and effect, right? Yeah. He knocks, we open immediately. Don't wait. Okay, I'll, and then to finish, I'll go to John 14, 23. Because it tells us how he actually comes in. There's a condition. There's a real practical condition. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come into him. Or we will come to him and make an abode with him. So the two conditions there is, if anyone loves me, and I think we covered that adequately. But the other one is, keep my word. And I have a lot of feeling for that. Keep my word. And there's many ways to interpret that. Some people, you know, follow the law. Some people, you know, oh, you know, keep the, the words close to you. But I want to give a new perspective, or maybe not new, but a very fundamental perspective. Read it. 
Just read it. You know, last week we talked about adding prayer with our reading. Forget that. Just read it. And I can say forget that because I said it. So, <laughs> Keeping the word begins with just reading it. Uh, was I sharing with you, Spencer, that, that my, my greatest accomplishment in college, right? So, so my greatest accomplishment in college was not my engineering degree. It wasn't my A in Physics 208, which, ask engineers, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to get an A in Physics 208. And, and I, I tell people that's when I didn't need to prove myself anymore. I was like, that's it. I was at peace. But my greatest accomplishment was I finished the Bible. I finished it. And you know how I started? I read one verse a day. That's how I started. I didn't just re read one verse a day for four years. No, no, no. I, I would ask myself, have I read a verse today? And then a few months later, oh, I'll read a chapter. Have I read a chapter? And then a few months later, okay, have I read two chapters? But it started with asking, have I read at least a verse today? And I would not allow myself to go to bed peacefully unless I read a verse. So we want to hasten the Lord's return, right? We want this age to end. We want all the world's problems to be fixed. We've got to read his word. It's got to start there. If, if, if we don't read his word, really keeping his word, so there's much more to it than just reading, but let's just start there, reading the word. We delay. We delay him. So, I think a, that's probably all the time that I have. I probably went longer than I expected. 